Well, good, good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me tonight for our second part in the Making of a Prophet series. And tonight I've entitled the teaching, The Identity of a Prophet. And tonight it's my prayer that you are going to learn how to operate in the prophetic anointing. God desires that we all become prophets. And in Exodus chapter 4, verse 12, it reads, Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. And that's exactly what God told Moses and what God is telling all of us, that he's going to put his words in our mouths and he's going to cause us to speak his word. And he's going to cause us to move in the realm of prophecy. And God is raising every one of you up to become his prophets. You know, um, so, and I, I just invite all of you just to be so open to that because the spirit of God is moving here and he's going to move in your lives. And I want to talk to you about the gift of prophecy and how the spirit of God wants to move in your lives in, in, the, in the gift of prophecy. And the gift of prophecy is not just given, just, you know, many people think of prophecy as, as just uh, telling people what's going to happen tomorrow or, who, or who's going to win the election. I am not speaking about prophecy in, in, in that aspect, but I want to speak, pro prophecy is speaking the heart of God. Prophecy is knowing what's, what's in, on God's heart. And prophecy is even discerning the pain and the difficulty and the challenges that, that people are going through. And, 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 and that's what a prophet is called to do. A prophet is called to give meaning to people's pain and to know and, and to identify with, with each other's pain. And we see that through the example of Jesus. And we, we, we see that through the example of Moses and through, through the lives of all the prophets in the Bible. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 9, it says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And the glory of the Lord shone ar around him, and they were filled with fear. And I just want you to know that when, when, when God's prophetic voice comes forth, the glory of God will shine. And when God's glory is present, secrets will be revealed. And God will cause you to see things the way he sees things and not the way the news media or anyone wants you, wants you to perceive things. But you, you are going to perceive things in truth. And how many of you want to, how many of you want to see things clearly? Amen. I believe that that's the, our, the prayer of all of Amen. us that we, we, we want to see clearly. Yes. And, and God will do that because we, we have, we have, you know, I don't, I can't think of a better description, but we are surrounded and we are bombarded with noise. And I want you to know is that with all that noise, it's hard to, to, to different, to differentiate the faults from the truth, but the spirit of God will cause you to see the truth. And it's through his word because the spirit of God will illuminate his holy scriptures. He will illuminate the word and he will show you what the truth is. And God caused Moses to walk in truth. God will cause you to walk in truth. And God will cause you to see with so much clarity. Uh, much, and, 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 as, and as we go through tonight's teaching, I want to talk to you about that there's a, there's a type of prophecy that's false and there's a, there's a type of prophecy that's true. And the, the, and the prophecy that's false is going gonna, gonna to lead you away from the truth. And the, the prophecy that God's going to speak to is a prophecy that's going to bring so much clarity. And God wants you to see with clarity. And, he, and he's going to confirm everything that he says to you through his word. And God's prophetic word will never contradict the scriptures. And whenever I seek God for a word, whether it's to give a prophetic word to somebody or even before I teach a service, I ask the Holy Spirit to show me his truth and confirm to me through the scriptures, what I am, to, what I am to say, or what I am not to say, and I just invite all of you to allow the Spirit of God to reveal you into all truth. 
and and I do want to preface the teaching with, I mean, going to soothsayers, going to astrologers, going to palm readers, uh, all that is a false type of type of prophecy. None of that is real. Even if even if they speak elements of that may seem true, it's it's not God's truth, and it's something that we as Christians are forbidden forbidden to partake of. And and I've seen even today is that uh, uh, people have become so uh, they're so hungry for the spiritual that they've gone they've gone to the false prophets. And tonight I invite all of you to come to the true prophet. And Christ Jesus is the true prophet, and He will speak truth to you. Amen. And so tonight, as we talk about giving meaning to our pain, and it's it's through the truth that we that God gives meaning to our pain, because the pain that we go through is not pain that we go through that's not without profit. The pain that and the difficulties that God allows us to go through are to bring profit in our lives, meaning that God's going to use it for his glory and God's going to use it to bring healing and deliverance to others. And it's going to be used to edify other people. And last week we were talking, we spent a lot of time talking about the name, actually two weeks ago when we last gathered. And I want to go back to that and let, let last week's scripture really be the, the intro to, to tonight's teaching. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 1, it reads, These are the names of the children of Israel, which who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household. And what we see, as, as we shared last week, is what's being emphasized here are the names. The names are being emphasized. And the name emphasizes one's destiny. It emphasizes one's purpose. It emphasizes one's calling in Christ Jesus. And when you know who you are in God, it doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do with you. You will emerge victorious because you will not forget who you are. And what happened with the Israelites is when they were when they were in cruel bondage, when they when they were in subjugation, subjugation to the Egyptians, they lost sight of who they were. They lost their identity. And, and I believe what God is going to do with you is that you will not lose sight of who you are. And even as this word is being spoken tonight, the Holy Spirit is ministering to each and every one of you on the line tonight. And he's going to bring meaning to your pain. And no matter what difficulties, no, no matter what circumstances you are in right now. God's going to God's going to cause you to emerge victorious. And one way that you emerge victorious is by knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. And and to know that there's purpose in your life, to know that God's going to use the difficult circumstances of your life for, for his glory and and God, and and there's something very peculiar about exile and pain and difficulties because through it all God's going God's going to cause you to, to to become so prophetic and so discerning in all the things of God, because in your name is your purpose. And the process of exile, the, pro, the, the, the process of difficulties is that, you'll, that God will bring forth your hidden potential and you'll forsake restriction. You'll forsake your mitzrayim, which are your mindsets of limitation. And God's going to cause you to emerge with a new purpose and you will know who you are in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3.14 teaches us, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling in Christ Jesus. And just know that your calling is in Christ Jesus. And I want you to know that Jesus calls you by name. You know, I will never teach a gospel that, that says that just uh, as soon as you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, that you are going to live a life without difficulty. Because, because the, the, the rain falls on both the just and the unjust. And no matter 
whether you're a believer or not, you are going to go through difficult times. But aren't you glad that you're not going through these difficulties alone? You're going through these difficulties in Christ Jesus. And your and your pain is not is is not for nothing. God's gonna bring forth purpose in your pain. God's gonna bring forth a great anointing in your pain. And I gotta tell you that the greatest promotions I've experienced in life always occurred through the most difficult times. And and I just want you to I, I don't want you I don't want you to run away from pain, but I want you to embrace the cross when you go through the pain. I, I'll say that again. Embrace the cross when you go through the pain. And and there there is purpose in your pain. And I, and I just want you to know that God is with you in the pain. And again, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in God, in Christ Jesus. So everything that we do is in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so again, I'm just so excited that we, that we are going. And not only is God with us, but we are here for one another. Even as we study God's word together, we are, we, we are embarking on this journey together. And just to... I'm not going to repeat too much from last time, but I just want to repeat a couple concepts. Uh, your name really connotates your purpose in life. The word name in, in the word in English in Hebrew is the word Shem, and that word Shem is related to another Hebrew word Shemam, uh, Shemama, uh, uh, which means desolation, and and there's another word Neshama, which is the soul, uh, uh, and, uh, and your, your name is connected to your soul. And sometimes when you're in a place of shamama, of desolation, it's through God's word that God's going to bring you out of that place of desolation and bring you into that place of purpose. And when we see Genesis chapter one, starting in verse one, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And, And that place of darkness that place of void that place of tohu and bohu in hebrew it's in it's it's in that place of desolation that god's spirit the holy spirit will move upon you and and god will say let there be light and so god's gonna god's gonna bring purpose in that desolation because the pain that you go through is not for not the pain that you go through is for your purpose and i just want I just want you to know that God is with you through every single difficulty in life. And I want to take you through a very painful season in Jacob's life, probably one of the most painful experiences he, he ever went through. And if you recall the story of when Jacob and his entire household fled from Laban, and after that situation, it, right before the, right in, in, right the day before he was supposed to meet Esau, his wicked twin brother, and he was, he was in a place of exile. It was at nightfall. He was in a place of exile, and he and he wrestled all night with an angel. Genesis thirty-two, verse twenty-two through twenty-four. The same night he arose and took his wives, his two maids, his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Then verse twenty-four. And Jacob was left alone. Have you ever been in a place where you were all alone? I'm not speaking about a place where you're you're just alone physically, but a place where you you have felt so lonely, you you have felt so frustrated, and you've been in a place where you don't even know if God is with you. 
it's a place it's like that dark night of the soul and you and you really you just you're in a place where you're just stuck and you and you don't know what to do and you don't know what 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 god is calling you to do next and i believe every believer will have experiences like this and i allow god god allows these seasons in our lives to cause us to seek him more and and to rely upon him more and 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 it's it's in that struggle and as we see here in verse 24 and jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day and i'm telling you as as you go through that struggle as you go through that wrestling and even going through that spiritual warfare that god is with you and 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 as you go through that wrestling you are gonna you that there is a breaking of the day and i'm telling and i prophesy to you this evening that in the breaking of your day you are going to emerge victorious and what happened in that wrestling god gave jacob a new name and his name was now called israel and it's during that long process of exile for the jewish people it was 400 years of exile depending on when you start counting and god's going to cause you to emerge with purpose and god's going to give meaning to your pain and most of all god's going to use you to deliver others that are struggling in their various various circumstances and if you know who you are you can overcome every bondage and i want to give you an example of the name take from the book of revelation revelation chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 read and to the angel of the church in sardis write the words of him who has the seven spirits of god and the seven stars i know your works you have the name of being alive and you are dead see that they have a name of being alive or they have a shem of being alive but you but they are dead and then jesus says awake and strengthen that which remains and is at the point of death for i have for i have not found your works perfect in the sight of my god and sometimes we must strengthen that which remains for the jewish people when they were in egyptian exile that the only thing that remained that was holy was their names because the one thing that that they were given credit for is that they, they did not change their Hebrew identities. And it's and 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 that was the one thing that remained. And as you're going through the difficult things in life, but what is that one thing that you can hold on to? You know, it could be a prophetic word that you that that you had received. It, it could be, uh, you know, the hope that God has given you in prayer. But there may be just one thing that you need to hold on to. And sometimes it feels like we're just holding on by a thread. But find that thing and hold on to it and hold on to his word because it's through the scriptures that you are going to find the strength because God from time to time will allow difficult situations in our lives. But it, it's to help us to grow and God wants us to become mature in him. God wants us to become steadfast, unmovable in the things of God. And that's why the, the second book of the Bible is called Shemot, meaning names because it's through it's through the spiritual descent that you go through that god's gonna god's gonna strengthen you and he's gonna he's and he's gonna deliver you and no matter what you go through god is there with you he's gonna cause you to emerge victorious you know i may never understand the or even comprehend the pain that the U ukrainian refugees are going through but even in that god's purpose is is being wrought and i just want you to because I really believe we are living in the days of the church's finest hour. And this is a time that we can take care of refugees. This is the time that we can take care of the poor. This is a time that we can we can take care of the widows and the orphans because God wants to use you and, and God wants his bride to shine now like never before. 
and you are going to emerge victorious. You are going to come to know the fullness of who you are in Christ Jesus. And you, you and and God, and God, God, God is God is working with you. And I and I want you to know that wherever you are in life, just know that God that you're there. You are there because of God's divine providence, Hashkaha Protis, which means personal divine providence. And I mean, if you look at Joseph, can you imagine Joseph? I mean the difficulties that he went through being sold into slavery by his own brothers being and and then then being sold by different traders to the, to the midianites and the ishmaelites and he was sold into egypt and sold into potiphar's house then he was falsely accused of adultery and thrown into prison and all the difficulties that he went through but even through every difficult circumstance he did not sin and he knew that he was there for a purpose he knew that God had put him there by divine providence. And it was at the very end that he, he could tell his brothers that I'm not angry at you. It's not you that put me here. This was God's will that I that, that I could save you from destruction. That I, I could be that that God could save you from 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 starvation through the famine. And he and he, he and he saw the big picture and he knew that God was working behind the scenes. And I want you to know that no matter what you go through, no matter what challenges you go through. Just know that God is there with you. The rejections you go through, the pain that you go through, maybe you have been forsaken by mother, by father, by brother or sister, but no matter what you go through, that know that, God's, that God is working through it. So don't let these situations be situations that will fuel your anger and, and, and your bitterness, but really allow, but really just learn how to thank God and praise God through these situations and just know that God is working in it and allow God, the Holy Spirit to mold you into the image of Christ as you go through these difficulties. You know, we often don't hear teachings about pain. We often don't hear teachings that that pain is necessary for our growth. And I've, I can tell you through even experiences in the natural, in relationships, in, in, in the workforce, in, in, my, in my schooling, even, even in my health, that it's through the difficult times that I see that I experience the most growth. Even in the workplace, it was through the most painful, excruciating, uh, the, the, the nights of working um, uh, all-nighters uh, were the times in which I learned the most, and it's where I experienced the, mo the most growth, and, and, and it's where I discovered much of my potential it, during the seasons of difficulty. So that, 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 that's really the introduction, because you, 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 you need that awareness to know who you are as prophets and prophetesses in God's kingdom. And I'm going to talk to you about the Jewish pain for a moment and then, then go into how God raised up Miriam, Netzavah, um, Batia, and Moses as royals. And as you learn their names, what you learn is uh, that what their prophetic death, what each individual's prophetic destiny was. And every one of you has a high calling in Christ Jesus. Every one of you is called to be prophetic. Every one of you. It is, it is so highly loved and, and not one of you is, is without significance. Every single one of you is important. I want every one of you to know that and to know that God has a purpose in your life. It doesn't, I don't, I, you, know, you know, whether you're seven, eight years old or whether you're 99 years old, God has a purpose in your life. God and God's going to bring meaning to your pain. And I want, I, I want to talk to you about what took place in Egypt in Exodus chapter one, verse eight. It says, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Now, what, what I want to bring out here is 
how could how could the king over Egypt not recognize Joseph? I mean, Joseph was the most brilliant strategist. He was viceroy over Egypt, only second to Pharaoh, and he was used to save all of the known world from from death through famine. I mean, he basically saved the known world from from extinction in that famine. So there's no way that this king, whether he was a new king or whether he was a former king, there's no way he could not know who who Joseph was. And the prophetic message I want to give you here is that the, the meaning of who did not know Joseph really means he refused to recognize Joseph's greatness. He refused to recognize the greatness of the Jewish people. And that's what Satan does in our lives, that he, 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 he will do all that he can so that you don't know who you are in him. Because when you don't know who you are in God, that is when you begin to lose the battle. And God does not want you to lose. God wants you to emerge victorious. And, and tonight, my prayer is that God's going to give meaning to your name, and he's going to give meaning to your pain. And this king over Egypt, who's a pharaoh, he was, he was, he was either a, a monarch of a new dynasty, or he, he was just an, the same king that refused to recognize, who refused to acknowledge all that Joseph had done for for Egypt, and some uh, and 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 some commentators say that this new king was Ramses the second, and and you know what this king does? What Pharaoh does is that he's he's so intimidated by the Jewish people that he comes up with a brilliant strategy to subjugate the Jewish people, and Pharaoh came up with this brilliant strategy to to really diminish the value of the Jewish people. And, and he says, come, let us outsmart them. And, he's, and in Exodus 1, 9 and 10, it reads, And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if, wall, and if war befall us, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. And so what, what Pharaoh does in this brilliant plan is that he includes the Egyptian people in his plan, makes them part of his plan. And, and, he, he, and what he does through his propaganda is that he makes the Jewish people appear as if they are an epidemic. And everything that he's saying is false, but, but the Egyptians bought in to the propaganda set forth by, uh, by, by Pharaoh. And we, we see, and this is nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon says. We see the same practice done by, um, Putin in Russia in, in the way he's dealing with Ukraine. We see the same thing Hitler did when, when, he, when, when he brought about the Jewish problem. Of course, there, there was no Jewish problem. This was his propaganda, propaganda to, to justify the extermination of an entire people. And so, so little by little, Pharaoh implemented his strategy in stages. And, and what he did is through this, these steps of subjugation, the Jewish people slowly forgot who they were in God as the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and, and they adopted a mindset of slavery because they became completely subjugated into, into slavery within the, within, within the system of Egypt. And, 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 and they, they were at the very bottom of the totem pole of, of the Egyptian aristocracy. I mean, they were at the, they were, they were at the very bottom. And 
And, and that's what the enemy will do in our lives. And if we don't have God's word, and if we don't know who we are in God, we also can become, you know, we can become the tail and not the head. And God has called every one of you to become the head and not the tail. And then you look at Exodus chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. It says, therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. And they built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithon and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. And so what, what was taking place here in this next level of subjugation is that they, 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 were, they were pushed to the point of total, total exhaustion through, 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 through the slave-like labor. But when the Egyptians realized that the subjugation did not produce the desired effect because Pharaoh expected the population to decrease, but to the contrary, the, 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 the population of the Jewish people increased exponentially. And no matter what Pharaoh did, he could not, he could not decrease the Jewish population. The Hebrew population continued to increase. So then what did Pharaoh do? He went to the next level of his plan. And the next level of his plan was to increase their labor. But this time the labor was meaningless labor. It's a type of labor that did not produce profit. See, what you'll see in Exodus 1 and 11 and 12, they built Pharaoh's store cities. And they also built the pyramids. So at least in that form of labor, even though it was excruciating, it, it was exhausting, but at least they saw the fruit of the labor that they were building these magnificent structures. But when Pharaoh saw that it failed to produce the desired effect, then he went to the next level of subjugation. And this is really, in my opinion, probably the worst form of subjugation. And in verse 13 and 14 of Exodus 1, so they made the people of Israel serve with rigor and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick, in all kinds of work in the field, in all their work, they made them serve with rigor. And this type of labor was the most crushing type of labor. And it was a labor that really produced, no, there, was no, there was no fruit, there was nothing to be desired, nothing really to celebrate. It, it, it was as if they were going out every single day digging a hole or digging a, digging a ditch. And then at the end of the day, just, just filling that ditch up back up with the same, you know, the, the same soil that you, that you dug out. So there was nothing accomplished. And really in our lives, that's the most excruciating type of labor that we can go through. And I, and I want you, every one of you to know that you know, even in our work, God will bring us satisfaction. And, and, and God has designed us in a way that we labor in things that produce profit, not just financial profit, but also in things that bring fulfillment. But, in, but the, the subjugation that the Israelites went through during this time was a subjugation where they, they would work excruciatingly difficult in, in, in ways, but it was nothing that brought any form of satisfaction. It did not bring any form of fulfillment. And I want you to think about your life in have there been areas in your life where you feel like what you have done has produced no benefit. And the enemy will, will work in your minds to make you think that nothing you do has any value. But I want you to know that that is not true because God, God, God will bring meaning, God will bring healing, and God will bring purpose to every single difficult circumstance that, that you go through. And 
and, 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 and this level of subjugation is really one of the worst things a human being can go through. And when Pharaoh saw that not even that type of labor caused the Jewish population de to decrease, then Pharaoh went to the next level of his plan. And that's when he commanded the Hebrew midwives to have all the Jewish male newborns to be thrown into, in, in, into the Nile River. And before that, he had commanded that they be killed, but that wasn't done. And then afterward, he commanded that they be thrown into the, the, into the river. And so in the midst of that pain, in the midst of that difficulty, God's divine plan is at work. And God's divine plan in, involves the, the raising up of prophets and prophetesses. And I'm going to talk to you about a woman that I consider a prophetess. Uh, one that you would never really even think of as a righteous person, and that is Batia, the princess of Egypt, who was the daughter of Pharaoh. And let's go to Exodus chapter 2, verse 5. And I'll read it to you in uh, from the RSV, then I'll also read it to you from a Hebrew translation into English. And it says in, in, in the RSV translation, it reads, Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river and her maidens walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to fetch it. I wanna go ahead and read that again. And if, if anyone has the scriptures, if you can copy and paste them into the chat, that, that, would be, that would be awesome. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river and her maidens walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to fetch it. And so what had already taken place, the, the verses that we skipped over, is that Netzava, I'm sorry, Yochahed, had said that the mother of Moses had saved Moses alive and, and would not follow Pharaoh's edict and did not have him thrown into the river. But she hid her child for a few months. Then after a few months, she placed the child within the basket and, and, and placed and and let that basket go down the, the, the river and trust the divine providence that God will take care of this child. And what took place is that God had already ordained that the princess of Egypt would be there looking at into that river at the very right moment and, and that she would have compassion when she heard the cries of, of that baby and that she would have that she would save that baby. And I want to read. Exodus 2, 5 from, uh, from another translation, and it reads, Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe to the Nile, and her maidens were walking along the Nile, and she saw the basket in the midst of the marsh, and she sent her maidservant, and she took it. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you, how likely do you think it is that a royal princess, a woman of royalty, would go out and bathe in, in, in a public river in, in sight of everybody. It's very, very unlikely. And I'm going to explain to you what, why, um, what, what, why that is as well. And I'm going to give you the rabbinic interpretation of what was taking place here. And so the name of this daughter of Pharaoh is Batia. You don't, you don't find that in the scriptures, but you do find that in rabbinic commentary. And the com commentators tell us that her name was Batia spelled B-A-T-Y-A, -A. and she went down to the Nile River to bathe. And she found the child, the Jewish baby in a basket, and she, she found the child bathing, I mean, weeping. 
and she stretched out her hand and saved him. And so several questions should emerge. I mean, for example, what possessed a royal princess to, to, to save a Jewish baby? I mean, she, I mean, what would cause her to go against her father's wishes and save a Jewish child? That's one question. Another question is, how does a royal princess stoop to bathe in public? It doesn't make sense. And one of the commentaries tell us that when she, she did not go down there to bathe, but she, she was actually repenting of the sins of her father, the Pharaoh. She was repentedness of, of the wickedness of, of, her, of, of her idolatrous bloodline. And really she had repented. She actually converted to the God of Israel. I mean, there was a true conversion that took place. And when she came down to bathe, it wasn't to bathe in terms of taking a bath, but it was to wash herself from the idolatry of her father's house. And what had taken place here was a conversion and it was a baptism that had taken place here. And so she was in a process of conversion by immersing herself in the Nile River. And she saw the wickedness of her father. She saw, she recognized the corruption of her father. She saw her father very much as we would see Adolf Hitler. And her conversion, she had gone through a conversion. And what's very interesting is on the Hebrew calendar, what date did this event take place? And according to the, 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 the commentators, the, the time, the date of her conversion and, and of her repentance took place on the sixth day of the Hebrew month of Sivan. The Hebrew month of Sivan is the third month on the Hebrew calendar. And the sixth day of Sivan is especially significant. And I'll give you an example, I'll explain to you in just a moment. So on, on the Hebrew calendar, there are 12 months, just like our Gregorian calendar, uh, except the, um, the Hebrew calendar is based upon the cycles of the moon. The first month in the Hebrew calendar is the month of Nisan, the month that we are in right now. It's the month that contains Passover. It's the month in which the Jews struck the blood of the lambs on their doorpost. It's also the, the month in which Christ's blood was struck upon the cross. So the so the Jews came out of Egypt during the feast of Pas uh, during Passover, and guess what? Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead during the feast of Passover, and so and and that began on the fourteenth fifteenth day of the of the month of Nisan. Then the second month in the Hebrew calendar is is Iyar, and the third month of the Hebrew of the Hebrew calendar is Sivan, and what you'll see here is that Batia. Batya's conversion and baptism took place on the sixth day of Sivan, on the sixth day of the third month. Now, the question I want, I want you to think about is, what other events in history took place on the sixth day of Sivan? Well, when the Jewish people or the Israelites or the Hebrews, I'm using all these words interchangeably, when the Hebrews left Egypt on the second day of, of, of the Feast of Passover, which is the 15th of Nisan, and they went on a on a 49-day journey to the foot of Mount Sinai, which we call, you know, which we call the 49 days of destiny. And on the 50th day is the sixth day of Sivan. And what took place on the sixth day of Sivan? When the, when the Israelites gathered around Mount Sinai, on the sixth day of Sivan, God came down upon Mount Sinai and he gave the Jewish people the Torah. He gave them the Ten Commandments. And so, and at that very instant, the Jewish people became the nation of Israel. So Israel, the nation of Israel was birthed at the giving of the Ten Commandments on 
uh, on the sixth day of, of Sivan, which is the feast day, it's called Shavuot, which means weeks. And in, in, in Greek, we call it Pentecost. And then if you scroll back to 50 days after Christ's resurrection, or I should say, ten, uh, so from Christ's resurrection, he walked upon the earth for 40 days. Then on Ascension Sunday, he ascended to heaven. Then for the next 10 days, the 120 assembled in the upper room. And at the end of that 10th day, which is 50 days from Christ's resurrection, that 50th day is the day that we call Pentecost, meaning 50th. And what took place on the 50th day? On the 50th day, the Holy Spirit descended into the upper room and and cloven tongues of fire came upon every single individual and every one of them spoke with new tongues. And on that very, at that very instant, the church of Jesus Christ was born. So the, so what we have, the, the birthing of the church, Israel becoming a nation and the conversion of Batia all occurred on the very same day. All three events took place on the sixth day of Sivan. And what, what, what takes place in the sex of Sivan is that you arise a new purpose. You arise knowing who you are in God. And if you're all with me, please say or write amen. And now, amen. I, I, amen. And now I want to talk to you a little bit about Batia and about her name. And, and, and also want to talk to you about the maid ser- the maidservant. Now, at, when we read this verse, it says, Pharaoh's daughter sent her maidservant and she took it. So Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe to the Nile and her maidens were walking along the Nile. She saw the basket in the midst of the marsh and she sent her maidservant and she took it. That word maidservant is another word that I want us to analyze for a moment. And that word, that the words that we translate into English as her maid, that has multiple meanings. And the Hebrew word behind the English words her maid is the word amata. And I'm going to ask if someone could write that on the screen here in the in our chat, amata. And the word amata has multiple meanings. One interpretation of that word amata is her maid. Another interpretation of this of this word amata is her arm. So it, this word can be translated amata can be translated as her arm, as well as her maid. And so an amata also means arm lengths. And what and, and the prophetic message here is that her arm when 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 Batias heard the voice of the child the child Moses who she and he wasn't called Moses yet and 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 she had compassion on that child because she heard the cries of that child and what she did is that she extended her arm with compassion towards that child and God caused her arm to supernaturally grow that enabled her to reach that basket and so she extended her arm multiple arm lengths to reach for Moses and, and, and then she was able, she was able to, to, to take him. And there was no natural way, there was no means in the natural for her to reach that basket, but it was beyond her abilities. But, but she did what she could. She stretched her arm out and God caused her arm to supernaturally extend multiple arm lengths so that she could save the crying baby. And in life as well, sometimes we just have to do what God is telling us to do. And we, 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 we go as far as we can go. 
and then God will do the rest. And even when Jesus multiplied the fishes and the bread in the two times that we read about Jesus feeding the multitudes, you know, Jesus did not create the bread and the fish out of nothing. Jesus does not do anything without involving his disciples in, in, in the miracles. So and that's why Jesus asked him, you know, what do we have? And sometimes even as we're, you know, as many of us are involved in the works with, with the Ukrainian refugees and what we, we've done in Dr. Crow's ministry to, to take care of the orphans and, 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 the, and to take care of the refugees is that we do what we can. There's no way for us, there's no way in the natural for the small group that we are to provide the billions of dollars that are needed to take care of all the refugees. But we do what we can and God will cause our arms to become amata, meaning extending multiple arm lengths. And, 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 you know, and God will multiply what we do for him. God will bring the increase. And one thing that, one thing that we can do that the world cannot do is really feel the compassion and the pain and bring comfort to those that are suffering. Amen. Because it's to bring finances, to bring clothing, will we'll take care of one need. But you know what? It doesn't meet the emotional need. It need. It doesn't help the trauma. And 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 we need the anointing. We need God. We need God's presence in our life, in our lives, to help bring healing to trauma. Because I think tra trauma is one of the most painful and excruciating experiences that humans can can go through. And I believe it's only through God's glory that we, that we can help a person process their trauma. You know, when I was watching the, the videos, when Dr. Corral was, was, was with the, the women and the children um, in, in, in Poland, and to see these women and children, to see how they've, they've lost everything. I mean, the in, in, entire country being wiped out and being overtaken by, the, by, by Putin. And when you when I saw the pit, when I was looking through the eyes of these women and children, you know, I would expect them to be very angry and voicing their anger because of what th this wicked man had done to them. But I did not see any anger, but I just saw brokenness. And I saw people that were just traumatized to the point where there's no words to express the pain. And there is a level of trauma to where you can't even express your pain through tears because it's it's so deep in in the soul, and it's only through the, God's presence that healing will take place. Amen. You know, in the natural, it, it may take many, many, many years, even a lifetime, for healing to take place. But in God, and when God's presence is there, healing can can come forth rapidly. And I want all of you just to be open to God using you, because God's going to use many of you to minister to those that are going through the most excruciating, the most difficult times, because God will use you in your pain, and God will cause your arms to become a mata, where he, where, where he will cause your efforts to extend many arm lengths, and God will cause you to, to do the impossible. We, we go as far as we can go, and then we let God do the rest. Because you know, God, God does not God does not expect us to do the work alone. God will wants us to do things in partnership with Him. Amen. We do things in partnership with Him. So God's we're not going to end world hunger on our own. We're gonna. I mean, of course, we're, the the poor will, will be with us always. But God, but to to bring healing, to, to to bring reparation, God wants us to partner with Him. So that's the one thing I want to sh share with you. But through all that was taking place here with Batia. Batia was the one that named Moses. It wasn't, it wasn't Moses' mother. It wasn't Moses' sister that named Moses. It was this princess, Batia, 
who gave the name Moses to this child. And the word Moses means to draw out or to draw out of the water. And that's exactly what, what, what the role and the, the prophetic purpose of Moses was in life. The Hebrew word for Moses is Moshe. And I'll go as far, I'll even go further and argue that the name that Batya gave to Moses was not a Hebrew name. It was an Egyptian name, and which eventually, you know, which became part of the Hebrew language. And so, and so the name, God honored Batya by, by keeping the name that he gave, that she gave to him. And the child that she saved, Moses, would grow up to become the future deliverer of the Jewish people. And she called his name Moses. And as we see in Exodus 2.10, the child grew. She brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. He became her son, which is um, Moses' mother brought, brought, brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. He became her son. And she named him Moses, for she said, because I drew him out of the water. And what, what you can infer from this, from this reading here is from the study is how great is your reward when you perform acts of kindness, when you perform acts of selfless loving kindness. You know, the Hebrew word hesed, and I know all of us on the line here have different levels of understanding the Hebrew scriptures. And so I, I, I won't explain anything that I say. The, the, the word hesed is the Hebrew word for kindness, but there's a concept be, behind hesed, which is much deeper than the English word kindness. And the, and the way I translate hesed for the people that I teach is it's selfless loving kindness. As I was sharing last night in Bible study, selfless loving kindness is going the extra mile. It means going beyond what you're, cap uh, going beyond what you're willing to do in the natural. And it's where God causes you to extend your arm, multiple arm lengths. Even like when Jesus said, if someone asks you to carry the cloak one mile, you carry it too. That means you, 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 you go beyond the requirements. And, that, that, and that's really what it takes to become a mata, is that you will go beyond what is expected and you will stretch into the realm of selfless loving kindness. That, 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 that means that if, if somebody calls you in the middle of the night saying that my relative is in the hospital, can you come and pray for them? And the natural inclination will be, well, let's wait until the morning so I can get enough sleep and I'll come in the morning. But, but that's not hesed, that's doing what's convenient. To, to, to do what is hesed is that you'll get up, get dressed and go pray for that person in the, in the middle of the night. And that's hesed because you've gone the extra mile when you do that and you stretch, you stretch into that realm of amata, the realm that Batya stretched into you, that she went beyond that which is convenient. Because you know what Batya did when she outstretched her arm and she saved that child? She put her own life on the line because she was defying her father's edict to, to, to have all newborn males murdered in the Nile. And tonight, and, and that's, re that's really the test of a prophet. The true test of a prophet is that you identify with people's pain because it's, it's in the pain that God's prophet prophetic voice will come through you. And I've noticed that it, it, even be in, in ministry, whether it's teaching, whether it's in delivering prophetic messages, that the, the most profound words come forth when, 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 the, when, when, the, when the person speaking is identifying with the suffering of others. Because it's not about you. It's not about the speaker. It's not about the one that, that, that's seen in public. It's about the pain that the congregation is going through. And wherever God places you, 
you know, from day to day is to know that as you identify with each other, as you identify with one another's pain, that is when your prophetic voice is going to come forth. And I want to give an example here just before we close tonight from Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, because every prophet is going to be tested. And it says here in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, one day when, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And so you see here, this is one of Moses' first tests to see if he was qualified to become a prophet. And this is how you can identify a prophet. A prophet is identified by his or her identification with the pain of others. Again, the way you identify a prophet is, is, through, is by the way that the prophet identifies with the pain of others. And here we see Moses identifying with the suffering of his people. See, Moses could have just relaxed in the, in, in the forest, not in the forest. He could have relaxed in, in the palace. And, and, and he could have ignored the burdens of his people, the, the Israelites. But he did not do that. When he had grown up, meaning he had matured, and, 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 he, had, and he had spiritually matured, he went out to his people and he looked upon their burdens. He identified with the pain. He identified with the difficulties. And what happens? He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And what does he do? He steps out to, to, to assist the Hebrew and he defends the, the Hebrew person. And so M Moses had matured to full stature, both spiritually and emotionally and physically as well, because he was probably about 40 years old at the time. And, and he had become fully grown. And that's what God's going to do with you as you mature in him and as you identify with the pain of others and, you, and as you are in God's word, God's prophetic voice is going to emerge for you. And Moses begins to live up to his name because his name means to draw out. And God's going to use you and your prophetic voice to draw people out of their pain, to draw them out of their bondage. And then the next day in verse 11, 11 uh, verse 13, the next day he went out and behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man that did the wrong, why do you strike your fellow? And we see again, the second day, his heart is filled with so much compassion and he's identifying with the pain of the people. And he, and he sees, he sees two Hebrews fighting and he sees the one mistreating the other one. And he comes out in that, in the, the victimizes defense. And so what we see here is that Moses is, 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 is has grown to full maturity and Moses and, and with all of you, as you come to identify with the pain of others, God's going to cause your prophetic voice to arise and God's going to cause you to live out the meaning of your prophetic name in him. And then in Exodus chapter three, verses two through four, and I'm going to close with a scripture here. And it says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and lo, the, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt when the lord saw that he turned aside god said god called out of the bush moses moses and he said here i am and i, I want you to, to see this text beyond the sunday school reading of the text you know often when i read this text i would see oh isn't that cool here, here here is a bush burning but the bush is not consumed and, and the supernatural event is taking place, but in, in this, when, when Moses sees this, 
He, Moses says, I will, turn as, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And what Moses is doing here, he, he is seeking God for the interpretation of what's taking place here. And the rabbis tell us that right before this event took place, Moses was pondering in his heart the, 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 the bondage and the suffering and the slavery and the difficulties of the Jewish people. And he's pondering their situation. And even while he's in the wilderness during these 40 years, he, he, he's, he's really just what he's really pondering the situation that, that they're in. And as he's pondering the situation, God gives him this prophetic vision, vision or this prophetic sight. And what does he see? He sees a bush burning that's not consumed. And the Lord is looking at Moses. And when, Mo, when the Lord sees that Moses turned aside to see, that's when God's going to call out to you. Just as God calls out to Moses saying, Moses, Moses, God will call out to you and call you by your name, whether it's Karen, Karen, Marilyn, Marilyn, Samuel, Samuel, Patricia, Patricia, Chris, Chris. I'm just calling out the names I see on the screen here is that God's, God's going to call out to you. God's going to call you by name, even as God called out to Samuel in the temple when he was sleeping on the floor in the, in the tabernacle in Shiloh to know that God's going to call out to you. But God is testing us to see if we're hungry for the, for the deep things of God, if we're hungry for the prophetic, and if we identify with the pain of others. See, Moses was again identifying with the pain of his people when he was pondering their situation. And as, and as he was meditating and pondering their situation, God revealed himself to him in a burning bush. And the bush, and God gives him a revelation of that bush. And, and that bush represents the Jewish people. It represents them in the fire. And the fire represents the, the cruel subjugation that was inflicted upon them by Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And when, when Moses sees this bush that's not consumed, what God is saying is that in the midst of this fire, Israel will not be destroyed and, and, and they will emerge victorious. And no matter how much fire they go through, they are gone, going to emerge victorious and unscorched by the fire, by the fiery affliction. And, he's, and, 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 God, and God, God is calling out to him. And God is calling out to each and every one of you on the line tonight. And God, and what God wants to do with every one of you is he's, he wants you to live out the full meaning of your, your name, the, the prophetic meaning of your name in Christ Jesus. And when God sees that, that you turn aside to see the affliction of others, that means that you identify with the suffering of the Ukrainian refugees. In, in Europe, and, 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 and you can really identify with them. And then, then God's going to do something else with you to make you more prophetic. In Exodus 3, 5, and, and, and God tells Moses, do not come near, put off your shoes from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And what the shoes represent is the removal of the shoes represent that you are giving yourself to God without reservation. You're not, gonna, you're not saying that, Lord, I need to take care of this. I need to take care of my business. Then I'll follow you. But you really, removing of your shoes is a prophetic act that you are saying that I am giving you, I am su submitting completely to your will without any impediments. And, and, I, and as I stand on this holy ground, I am, I am listening to the prophetic voice and I'm here to carry out your will. And with that, I just want to close with that and just want you to know how wonderful you are created in Christ Jesus. 
and because of the blood of Jesus, and because you are washed and sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, and 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 he, he is causing you to identify with the pain of others, and he's going to reveal to you the, the fullness of your name, and he's going to cause you to walk in the realm of Amata, which is the, which is the realm of, of extending your arm, multiple arm lengths, and that you can move forward, and, and, and God will fill your mouth, and you will speak his word. And I'll conclude with the scripture I shared at the beginning from Exodus 4.12. Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Amen.